from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up on this Wednesday edition, last night in a bipartisan vote, the House of Representatives censured Michigan Congresswoman Rashid, Rashida Talib for her repeated anti-Semitic comments. Representative Tlaib has stoked anti-Semitism in this nation and undermined our national security. I ask my colleagues to support this resolution to show the world, especially our adversaries, that the United States stands behind our allies and will not back down to terrorists. That was Georgia Congressman Rick Rich McCormick prior to last night's vote. Now, this was a uh, significant act by the House, and we're going to talk about it with Tennessee Congressman Tim Burchett. Also, in March, Nashville Police Chief John Drake acknowledged a manifesto from Audrey Hale, the transgender killer that took the lives of six people, including three nine-year-olds at Covenant School. We have a manifesto. We have some writings that we're going over uh, that uh, pertain to this day, the actual incident. We have a map drawn out of how this was all going to take place. Uh, there's right now a theory of that's, that we may be able to talk about later, but it's not confirmed. And so we'll, we'll put that out as soon as we can. Now, that was in March, but authorities have refused to release the manifesto. But this week, excerpts from uh, the manifesto were released, triggering an investigation by police. So why has the public been denied the ability to see the motives of the shooter? We're going to talk about that today on Washington Watch. Also, with just over a week to go until government funding expires, are House Republicans close to forging a path forward? We'll talk about it. And we'll also look at some of yesterday's election results where money, money was a major factor. They threw everything they had at Mississippi. $13 million they threw at Mississippi. But guess what? Mississippi did not break. Mississippi did not bend. Mississippi is not for sale. That was Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves last night, who was successful in his reelection for governor. FRC Action's Brent Kylan joins me in just a moment to break down yesterday's election. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre says the president, the president has done everything he can to fix the southern border. We have a broken immigration system. It's been broken for decades now. Uh, and the president has done everything that he can on his own to try to figure out how do we deal with what's going on at the border. Well, well does that mean that the administration is now ready to work with Republicans who've been trying to fix this issue? In fact, they're saying that border security must be addressed if there's going to be supplemental funding for government. Tennessee Senator Marsha Blackburn tells us why. This is a good idea. And earlier today, FRC co-hosted a briefing on Capitol Hill regarding the World Health Organization and their alarming grab for power that began with the COVID pandemic and continues. Emergency powers are, is a dangerous thing. And we saw how it was overplayed and we, we lost our freedoms during those three years. Well, now the effort by President Biden is to give that power of declaring an emergency at the international level to the most untrustworthy organization there is when it comes to pandemics. And that's the World Health Organization. That was former Congresswoman Michelle Bachman, now dean at uh, Regent School of Government, and she's the chair of the Family Research Council, and she joins me later here in studio. Our word for today comes from 2 Timothy chapter 4, as Paul gives his final instructions to Timothy. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. In other words, Paul says, proclaim the truth when it's welcomed and when it's not, when it's convenient to you and when it is inconvenient. He continues, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Paul tells Timothy, despite those who turn from the truth, don't change your message. Rather, endure the affliction, whether it be ridicule, rejection, or outright persecution, and keep declaring the truth. For more on our journey through the Bible, go to frc.org slash Bible.
Tuesday's election results are in, and they did not match what many Christians prayed for and worked for to achieve. In Ohio, voters approved Issue 1, which legalizes abortion through all nine months in the state constitution. Also, Issue 2 was approved, which legalizes recreational marijuana for adults. In Kentucky, a pro-life candidate for governor fell short in his election bid. And Virginia, voters by narrow margin handed full control of the state legislature to Democrats. So what's this picture tell us? Is it a snapshot or a trend? Joining me now in studio to discuss this and much more, Brent Kylan, Vice President for Strategic Initiatives here at the Family Research Council, and he's with FRC Action. Brent, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thanks, Tony. Good to be with you. So, big picture, what is your reaction to the overall results from yesterday's election? Big picture, I'm kind of looking at two things, Tony. One is the the candidate side and all of those races that we saw yesterday. And one is what was the impact of yesterday specifically on the life issue? You mentioned Ohio. If you look at just the candidate side, my perspective is that not that much actually changed. We're hearing a lot of uh, headlines out today. I'm not saying there were no discouraging things that happened. But if you look at it um, overall, all the states that have had these elections this year, um, you have the uh, the Democrats who picked up control in the Virginia State House. They already had the uh, state Senate, right. so they picked up that one chamber. Uh, Republicans picked up the, the governor's seat in Louisiana a couple weeks ago, right. so that's a net pick up for them. Everything else basically stayed where it was. We, we did have a Democrat governor win in Kentucky. But, but he, he was, was an incumbent. incumbent. Right. It's very, very difficult to, to, to beat an incumbent. You look at uh, Tate Reeves, Mississippi, very pro-life governor. Actually, you know, we had that Dobbs decision coming right, out of that right, state. Right. Very vocal on that. He won by about the same percent. He won by his first term, things like that. So. I mean, that's despite the money. I mean, this election was about a lot of money, wasn't it? It, it absolutely was. Actually, in the final weeks, the uh, the Democrats poured in millions of dollars into that seat. You don't make a, a strategic decision like that that late if you don't think maybe you have a chance to win. They did that, but they still came out. Uh, he came out with that five, six point victory there. So absolutely a lot of money spent in Mississippi. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Virginia, because a lot of people are saying that uh, Governor Youngkin failed here because he was trying to get a, uh, a he wanted to win the Senate, wanted to keep the majority in the House. He didn't win the Senate, although I think they did pick up a seat in yes. the Senate. Yes. Um, and so it's, I think right now we're 51-48 in, uh, in the Virginia Assembly. That's right. That's right. So it does look like the, um, the, uh, the Republicans picked up one seat in the Senate, didn't pick up that majority, but that's a 21 to 19. So that's really, really close. And then the, the, the Democrats have a 51-48, a couple seats still to be called there. But, but you look at that, and they went in with close uh, majority. It is on either side. The, the Republican majority they went into yesterday with was, was a very narrow one. And historically, Tony, in Virginia, this is the norm. So right. for the Democrats I mean, it's, to it's pick like this a ping pong up, match. it is. It is. We remember uh, six-ish years ago, maybe it was, right. where that state house of delegates control came down to pulling the name out of a bowl because it was tied. Right. So so this is pre, uh, pre-Dobbs and things like so, that. So let's talk a little bit then about turnout. What was turnout yesterday in the uh, overall uh, average turnout across the nation in these elections? You know, it, it really does depend on the state. It tended to be low. And again, it, it, you have to take that by state. You have some states like Mississippi where early voting is 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 very limited. You have other states like Virginia where it's like, I think, 45 days. But but one state I'll give you specifically is Kentucky. OK, pretty, pretty red state there. Um, the the num- numbers I'm seeing there is that turnout was 30 percent. OK, so you're talking about um turnout levels in these off-year elections that's just dramatically lower than your your presidential election cycle, for example. So, so only three out of every ten voters showed up. That's to right. Vote. That's right. And, and um, uh, Bashir, Governor Bashir, who won uh, re-election, the Democrat, so if you had five percent more people voting the other way, that, that would have shifted that whole outcome. So it really there. does come down, and even these races in Virginia, many of these uh, yet to be called, although the, it looks like the, the Democrats will have the majority there, but very narrowly winning That's uh, right. in some of those seats. And this, once again, just shows us how important voter participation, voter turnout really is. 
It, it really does, Tony. We saw a number of examples of that yesterday. We had this uh, election database that came out earlier this year where um, one group identified uh, about 600 races historically in America that have been tied, you know, in most of those in recent years. So it really does. It really does. Every vote matters. So let's talk. Uh, we just got a couple minutes left here. Brent Kylan, uh, Ohio. Issue number one, putting abortion into the Constitution. This is the seventh uh, initiative that uh, the pro-abortion crowds have won. They're now, you know, declaring that this is the trend. This is what we're seeing, and they're saying this is going to be a 2024 election issue. And clearly, Ohio is a conservative-leaning state. Mm -hmm. It's a pro-life state. Uh, again, money. I mean, this was a place where George Soros poured millions of dollars into the state. And, uh, you know, we, we had uh, Attorney General Dave Yost on the program earlier in the week. Th th there's something that's happened in politics in the last uh, really 10 to 15 years is that as we've moved from liberals to leftist, they're unhinged from the truth. They're untethered from the truth. They just distort the facts and scare people uh, into voting. And people just got to they got to quit listening to legacy media and to these ads. It, it, it's exactly right, Tony. There's a number of things uh, about Ohio that I think are important. I, you know, it, it is discouraging, you know, that 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 measure passed 56 to 43 percent, I think. So we, we need to acknowledge that. And, and I think. Next year, 2024, is a huge issue for the life issue, so we need to be seeking God's wisdom. You know, how do we address this? But like you said, um, we got outspent. Uh, the last numbers I saw were $42 million to $30 million. And if you look at some of the lies that were being pushed, I mean, people were saying that women would lose basic health care, right. life-saving right. care, right. which right. is absolutely not the case. So we have our work cut out for right. us there. And, and I think, you know, the way we're going to prevail is the same way we got to the place of Dobbs. That is, it took 50 years of winning hearts and minds, care pregnancy centers. In fact, I'm going to be emceeing our local in our local care pregnancy center, uh, Caring to Love Ministries, tomorrow night in Baton Rouge. Um, we've got to continue the work. Our work is not over. It's it's really in many ways just beginning. It's true, Tony. What came to mind for me this morning as I was kind of reflecting on those results was that verse, be not weary in doing good, for yeah. in due season we will reap if we faint not. So the only question we have to ask ourselves is what is good? Because then there's a promise. If we don't faint, we will reap. So I, I would encourage people with that. And, and I would say if, if you have been watching but maybe haven't participating, we need your voice now. Right. We need you to pitch in. We need you to do everything you can. Um, I, I do think the tide will turn. We're seeing some early indications of that, I think. But there's a lot of work cut out for us to do. Well, just one is the elections where 30% turnout, we should take advantage of the low turnout by turning out. If, right. if conservatives, pro-life voters will turn out, we can flood the zone, if you will, and we can win these elections. But you've got to listen to the truth and act upon it. Brent Kylan, great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it, Tony. Thank you. All right. Well, folks, I do hope you're registered to vote. This is an election year. We're going into an election year in 2024. You need to be informed and engaged. The future of the republic depends upon it. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk with Tennessee Congressman Tim Burchett as we're going to look at uh, what the House did last night in censuring Michigan Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib. That's next. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be giving guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org.
Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. All right, last night, the House voted to censure Michigan Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib, providing a formal rebuke of her extreme anti-Semitic rhetoric. Twenty-two Democrats actually joined the majority in voting to censure Tlaib, who remains unapologetic for her use of the chant from river to the sea, which has long been an anti-Semitic rallying cry employed by Hamas. Join me now to discuss this and much more. Congressman Tim Burchett, he serves on the House Oversight and Accountability Committee and the House Foreign Affairs Committee. He represents the 2nd Congressional District of Tennessee. Congressman, welcome back to the program. Good to see you. Great being back with you. Thank you. So you voted in favor of the of censuring uh, Congresswoman Tlaib. Tell us why. Well, her language, you know, we, we all have a First Amendment, but you still, you know, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater, um, you know, and it has consequences. What she says, we're United States congressmen or women, whichever the case may be. And what we say is we need to be held accountable. And dadgummit, she needs to be held accountable. This is just going on and on and on. And she she does the usual thing. She says she's sorry. This time she never even said she was sorry. But um, this anti-Semitic behavior to me is is offensive and it's repulsive. And um and it needs to stop. And, and you know, the Democrat leadership needs to say this is enough is enough. And I, it's, it's disgusting to me. Um, it ought to be very disgusting to Jewish folks that are Americans and people around the world that look at America as that shining city on a hill. But it's troubling that you would have a member of Congress, and I agree with you. We have a First Amendment right. I served in our nation's military uh, to protect that right. I've served as a police officer, and I know you've served as a public servant to do the same. But there are red lines. Uh, there are responsibilities that come with leadership. And this is actually, she's speaking out in support of a terrorist group. So I'm, I'm grateful that the Congress has drawn a line and said, hey, you're, you've crossed the line. won't be tolerated. No, and, and it won't be. Um, unfortunately, we don't have the, the guts to kick her out. But the, um, you know, the truth is this, this, this anti-Semitic behavior and, and, um, terrorist favoring groups have infiltrated our government. You know, we have a state department. It was, I found out in, in, uh, in through testimony and some detective work by some folks in my office that our own state department, Tony, is actually funding some of these terrorist organizations and they right. they claimed they didn't know and you know dad government if they just googled the organizations that they were sending money to um that it, you know and if and if i can find it i'm no detective i'm no forensic accountant but um 
But I swear, if we can't do better than that, when we've got it, you know, in our college campuses, what's going on there in our public institutions, Harvard and Yale, I don't, you know, they're, they're private institutions, but, you know, in the University of Tennessee, when I get reports of anti-Semitic behavior there or, or, or other places, to me, um, you know, every time you write a check to one of these colleges or universities, folks ought to, ought to put a string attached right. to it. And when they pull this garbage, they ought to stop sending the money. You're absolutely right. And and the government should pull its money as well. I, I want to switch topic here. topics. Earlier this week, photographs containing excerpts from the Nashville Covenant School shooters' writings were leaked and later verified as authentic. Uh, and you've been calling for this manifesto to be released. It is still not been released. Why? That's a great question. Um, it's obvious to me that, you know, when it's um, when it fits the narrative, then it's going to be released in a hurry. But when it when it calls into question of of what's going on with and, and these folks that are influencing these kids and who's doing it and what they're being influenced for, um, it seems to me that there's there's always a big stall factor. And, you know, it's obvious attempt to get our firearms. And it's horrible, horrible what that. That girl did. She was a girl. She was, you know, whatever they say, transitioning into a boy or something. That shows she had a mental illness there, obviously. Um, but, you know, if you, you just look at what happened October 7th in Israel, you don't know why you need those guns with an open border and these folks coming in. It's, um, you know, it, it is a dangerous situation in this world, and we need to be very cautious of it. And America is just, we're going to get caught again. In another tragic incident, I'm afraid, just because of the, I mean, there are millions of people, Tony, that have come over our border, and there is no way in this world we know. And when we find them on the terrorist watch list, the left always jumps up and says, well, see, it's working. We caught them, you know. And if you've ever been down there, as I have, there's no way in the right. world you can keep track of all those people. Well, and we know and, uh, that, uh, you know, over a million and a half have evaded capture. Others have been caught and released, let into the country. And, and you're right. There's this effort to take away our ability to protect ourselves. But what's interesting in, in and again, we've not seen all of the manifesto. We've just seen a couple of screenshots. The city now investigating this to see how it was released. But it would suggest that there was some type of uh, indoctrination that took place. I mean, there's so much of the leftist ideology revealed in the manifesto that was released. Is is that part of the reason it wasn't released? Is because it exposes the poisoning that the left has been doing to the minds of American children? Well, I'd have to think that when law enforcement says they're still investigating it, how much longer do they need to investigate it? They know um, they know what, who, who she was, what she did, when she did it. They've got most of it on film. And, um, yeah, yeah, obviously there's been an indoctrination of this, this young lady and, and she was obviously not mentally well. And that's, um, that's who they usually see. Well, and, 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 like and it's not like this would jeopardize a court case because uh, she was, uh, neutralized by police officers on the scene. So uh, it's, it's inexplicable why, they have not released this information so the public would know what is behind this. And again, I know that you've been calling for that. Hadn't happened yet. Maybe it will yeah. in the days ahead. I'm I'm so frustrated with that. Um, obviously, being, being from Tennessee, it's middle Tennessee. It's a little different area than where I grew up, but it's still it's still Tennessee. And and to me, it's it's just it's just preposterous. There's no other reason that I can come up with why they don't release the entire manifesto. And and just let it go because they sure as heck when it fits their narrative, that right. gum they get the thing out. It's out overnight. They, right. it, it burns up the Xerox machine. They're making so many copies of it. And of course, this incident, it's it's pretty clear in the media in Nashville and around the state. They're already making excuses of oh, this is you could just pick and choose who she was. She was mad at everybody. Well, it's pretty specific, and there's some there's some language in there that you just right. don't just come up with. Right. And um, and I, I think that the public needs to see that. All right, Congressman Burchett, good to see you. Thanks so much for taking time to join us today. Always a pleasure, even under these circumstances. And thank you all for keeping putting out the truth because right. it is. Thank you, brother. All right, folks, don't go away. We're back after this.
Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clausen, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroicfaith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroicfaith. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Thanks so much for tuning in on this Wednesday. The website, TonyPerkins.com, lots of resources there for you. All right, efforts to send military aid to Israel continue to stall. As Senate Democrats have blocked, have blocked, hear me now, they've blocked the advancement of the aid package passed in the House of Representatives. Also in the Senate, Republicans have warned the Biden administration that additional funding for Ukraine remains in jeopardy unless a solution to the president's open southern border is found. But with Democrat scare leader Chuck Schumer insisting that addressing the border crisis is a non-starter, how should Republicans in the Senate respond? Join me now to discuss this and more, Senator Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee. She serves on four Senate committees, including the Senate Judiciary Committee and the Senate Finance Committee. Senator Blackburn, welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to join you. Thank you. So the House advanced a measure, $14.3 billion, to assist our ally Israel. But the Democrats are blocking that. What can be done to get this aid to Israel? Well, what we need to do is continue to try to push that standalone bill and make certain that we're getting that aid to Israel. And, you know, the Democrats are wanting to put a bunch of different things into one bill. So maybe we should say, all right, you can have a small amount of money, and once you secure the border, once you have met certain metrics, then you can have another tranche of money. And once you have met certain metrics, then you can have access to another tranche of money. Now, that may be something because, you know, we need to get something for our votes. Right. Well, and making certain that we are holding them to account so that they are actually doing something about that porous, open southern border where you have all these hundreds of thousands of people from countries of interest that are pouring over the border. What about the children? I mean, you've been very focused on the children that have been trafficked across that border, and it, it appears that they're just kind of recycling those children coming right. back across the border. Tell us about what you've discovered there. Yes, and in the border security provisions that Republicans are putting forward, we have placed my DNA testing legislation. And, Tony, as you know, when Trump was president, we did DNA testing. Yes, we did. Of every child that came to that southern border to be certain they were related to the adult. Now, what we found was a third of those children were being trafficked. We also, that's how we uncovered the child recycling program, 
This is where the cartel takes a child, places them with adults that they do not know, sends them across the border. They apply for asylum. And then once the adult is in the country, they send the child back to authorities to be sent back to the cartel in Mexico. And our Border Patrol says that they have seen some children come as many as eight or nine times. So this is child abuse. It is a human rights abuse. And I also have the PRINCE Act, which will allow fingerprinting of these children when they come to the border so that we can stop this child recycling. How, tell me, how is that compassionate to allow these children to be brought back and forth across the border to by the cartels to allow adults to make their way into the country. How How is a, having a policy in yeah. place that the Biden administration has, how can that be described as they do compassionate? And there is nothing compassionate about this open border policy. The cartels are in charge of the border on the southern side. No one and nothing comes across that border without the stamp of approval from the cartel. What we know is that you've had 108,000 Americans die of drug overdoses, primarily fentanyl. China sends the precursors into Mexico to the labs. They make the fentanyl there, and the drug cartels are the ones who are distributing this. The cartels are now active on U.S. soil. They're in Tennessee. They're in every other state in the Union. Think about that. Drug dealers. In addition to that, human trafficking. Cartels have turned this from a $500 million a year business in 2019 to a $150 billion a year business this year. So, Senator... And these women are all being put into sex trafficking. You've got all of your sanctuary cities now complaining about an elevated level of prostitution rings in their cities. Uh, Wide open. Wide open. Yep. Uh, So, final question. We've got 30 seconds left. How strong is the resolve among Senate, Senate Republicans to hold the line on this and back the House in taking such an approach that you've described that we get something done on the border? We have given them the the message that we are not going to vote for a big bill that we cannot have debate on. When it comes to Ukraine, you've got humanitarian, governmental, and military money. We need transparency and accountability. No one wants Vladimir Putin to win. We need accountability on these dollars. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Marsha. Always great to see you. And we're going to encourage our viewers and listeners to back you up on holding the line. Thank you. Well, folks, uh, more homework there. As we track these spending bills making their way through the process, you need to speak to your senators and uh, your congressmen to hold the line. I mean, we've got to address this border issue. It is, uh, I mean, it's not a cure-all, but it certainly is fomenting a lot of problems in our culture, in our country. All right, when we come back, former Congresswoman Michelle Bachman joins me to discuss the World Health Organization and their massive power grab. That's next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. 
Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Well, earlier today, I was on Capitol Hill sharing a short devotional with members and uh, having an opportunity to pray with him. And while I was there, I sat down with House Speaker Mike Johnson. Now, here's a clip of what he had to say. So what you're seeing right now is Washington and the surrounding press corps interacting with a leader who openly acknowledges what he believes. What a concept. I mean, you know that in previous generations, everyone did. Right. As of right now, the, the polling affirms that over a majority of the, of the American people also identify as Christians, you know, with their faith. This should not be a remarkable thing. It, what would be remarkable to the framers of our Constitution it, that this, is that this would be controversial. Right. Well, you want to know what else he had to say? Well, tune in tomorrow for the full interview right here on Washington Watch, where I sat down with House Speaker Mike Johnson. You can hear the full interview tomorrow here on Washington Watch. Well, also on Capitol Hill today, there was a briefing on the World Health Organization, which FRC co-sponsored. At the same time, the World Health Organization itself, their intergovernmental negotiating body, is meeting in Geneva to discuss the latest version of their so-called pandemic agreement. Now, this is something on Washington Watch that we've been tracking and talking about. The WHO and their effort to usurp authority and power from sovereign nations. And we've been calling on you to urge your senators and representatives to defund, get the U.S. out of the World Health Organization, and your voice is starting to be heard. They're starting to pay attention, but there's something about this city. You, you can't say it one time and move on. You just got to keep beating the drum when it's important. Well, earlier today, a breakfast briefing took place on Capitol Hill entitled The Fundamental Transformation of the World Health Organization from a Health Advisor to a Global Dictator. Joining me now in studio to discuss this is former Congresswoman Michelle Bachman, who was there. She was a part of this morning's briefing. She served on the House Intelligence Committee during her time in Congress. She is now the dean of the Robertson School of Government at Regent University. She's also the chairman of the FRC Board of Directors. Michelle, welcome back to Washington Watch. It's good to be in good company. Thanks for having me. Always great to see you come to town. So let's talk a little bit. You've been on this program multiple times talking about the World Health Organization. Tell us about today's events. It was so much more successful than I thought it would be, Tony. We had a number of legislative directors, chief of staff of members of Congress, uh, members of the House were present, and also U.S. Senator Ron Johnson from Wisconsin. I had had numbers, a number of conversations with Ron Johnson before on the topic. 
he clearly understands the topic. His frustration level is that there aren't more members who even know anything right, about this. Right. When you said people need to contact their member, you did, you weren't even saying the half of it because hardly anyone on Capitol Hill has even heard of this issue before. But it's beginning to resonate, and I'm so grateful. And by the way, I've got a link uh, if you'd like to post it on FRC. We have a link of the entire seminar today, and we had first-class medical people there, researchers there, uh, Wall Street types were there analyzing uh, the impact that it will have on Wall Street. So it was a first-class presentation. People would learn a lot of knowledge about what's going on, and they could share it. Well, we will, uh, I'm checking to see if we don't have that link up there. We will get that link up on the website, TonyPerkins.com. And we also still, folks, have the uh, the petition to sign. Uh, I think we're approaching nearly 100,000 folks. Very good. Very so good. just text WHO to 67742. You can sign the petition. We're going to be delivering them. We've been talking about having actual former formal hearings from some of the yeah. subcommittees as well. Any new information come forth today? I know you're 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 so well versed in this, but was there anything new that came forth today? Well, it was trying to tell the story to the people who are in the group and then motivate them. And I think one of the underlying messages was the urgency of the hour. You know, we've only got a little over six months before this is expected to pass in Geneva, Switzerland, at the next World Health Assembly. So we don't want that to happen, obviously, because once national sovereignty is ceded to the WHO, it's almost impossible to right. get back. Right. So we have very little time, but we actually prayed at the event, and I didn't know the spiritual direction of the people who were there. I was just asked to pray. And so we prayed, and we prayed that, that we prayed for miracles, because that's what we're going to yeah. need. We asked the Lord for miracles, but we also prayed the scripture to never despise small beginnings. So we, God can do anything. So we are praying with, with the faith of a mustard seed. So that the, so that this will be known to people and something can happen because this isn't just America that's right. impacted Tony. This is all 193 nations in the United Nations. Vir- virtually every person on Earth. All right. So it, the link is on the website TonyPerkins.com. So you can actually watch it at uh, TonyPerkins.com. Uh, several things you brought up there that I want to address. One, I'm going to step back for just a minute. Take up. You, you said you prayed. Yes. Now, you were in Congress for how many years? For eight. For eight years. Have you since, I mean, I know things are bad, but there's a more, my observation over the 20 years I've been here is that there is a growing openness. Yes. And even desire for the spiritual. Just as I, I mentioned in the opening, this that I was up on Capitol Hill speaking to the Republican Study Committee. I, I had a devotional, prayed for them. Mm-hmm. And this, the, there's an openness Mm-hmm. That I that I'm seeing here that that's just seems to be increasing. Well, because I think in some ways we were told to be embarrassed of our faith before. That's what the left tried to tell people who were of faith who served here. That's why they tried to silence. That's why they tried to silence it. Kind of hide it beneath beneath your vest. But now I think things are so desperate across the world. The world's on fire right yeah. now from a foreign yeah. policy perspective, and domestically we're crashing. And so people need answers. And so you're either a person of faith or you're cold. We're kind of in this, we're, right, you're either right. cold or you're hot. And so for those who are hot, we need to be hotter still yeah. to and, and just be lean bold. into the Lord. And that's about actually going to be part of my conversation that I have with uh, Speaker Mike Johnson that folks will be able to hear tomorrow on the program. Um, on this, there's two, there's a, multiple things with the World Health Organization. There's the pandemic Accord or the mm-hmm. treaty, but there's also the amendments to mm-hmm. the the existing mm-hmm. regulations. These things are so far reaching that people don't believe they're true. It's true because you need to have the foundational understanding of what's going on. But you're right. I mean, this sounds like a James Bond movie. You know, the, the, this could never happen. But I assure you, it's in the documents. And I I went to Geneva, Switzerland for the last World Health Assembly. I listened to these people when they were talking, to the committees that are being set up. 
I assure you this is planning to go forward. There isn't one nation that objected. That's what stunned me more than anything else. Not one nation objected. Did the representatives not read what's in these amendments or not read what's in the proposed pandemic treaty? But eventually what's going to happen, these two documents are going to be merged and synthesized. And the bottom line in is it's that every nation will voluntarily surrender national sovereignty over health care decision making. The only thing is they redefine health care to include oh, right. climate change, Everything. racism, abortion, income inequality. That's why we aren't far out. It sounds far out. We're not we're exactly right when we say this is creating a platform for global governance. One of the and, and I've gotten this feedback from some of our listeners and viewers. Oh, this is fear mongering. I, I wish it was actually. <laughs> That's not what we do here. But the international health regulations existing, mm-hmm. there's they've dropped the number of amendments, but there at one point was over 300 amendments to this. But one of the changes is that a lot of the provisions of the international health regulations that are in place are optional. They're you don't mm-hmm. have to do them as mm-hmm. a member state. Well, it was meant to be an advisory body, but they're changing originally. that. Oh, these amendments change that. That's why this is so imperative, right. because we go from advisory to, to mandatory. That's why they want everyone to voluntarily surrender authority to the U.N. So just like Joe Biden has the power to declare an emergency in the United States, now this would give the power at the international level of the World Health Organization. They would be able to declare an emergency in America. And, they ev- could lock and it would us be down. binding on the oh, entire it's, it's nation. Binding. Oh, yeah. And we can't go appeal to the Supreme Court. They've already because we've ruled. Given, we've given well, the, and, the power right. away. So this is extremely serious. The, the listeners need to recognize that. So the other question that comes up, and it's not laid out necessarily here, so I don't, in the, in the policies that are being proposed that I've seen, but you don't have to think it too hard to come up with how do they enforce it. Well, they're the U.N. They've got uh, they've got a lot of power in terms of. We've well, and the, the big dog that's been pushing this is the United States of America, Joe Biden. So who will enforce it? Joe Biden will enforce it because this is what he wants to see. He's already opened up the office the compliance office, so that here in the United States we're complying with what the WHO tells us that we need to do. They've already opened the office, Tony. So then do they do what we see happening right now with, like, Donald Trump, this lawfare where, like, let's say a local sheriff says, I'm not going to do this. Mm-hmm. Well, they send the federal, the DOJ after that sheriff. I think what we're going to see more than anything is the corporations are going to enforce this because if let's say that it is mask wearing, if 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 the U.N. says we all have to wear masks, then Delta Airlines and uh, various entities will force us to wear masks or force us to lockdown. And then that's your local officials that force you to do that. Or if it means taking another jab, then it's mandated usually through the employer. Well, this also, uh, well, into going into the treaty, which, as you said, would be merged at some point. They, the 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 World Health Organization, WHO, would dictate domestic spending. Yes, they uh, do. That's right. They because they can tell us, they can tell any country, and it'll be the United States. You have to produce so much health care products, and then you need to give it to the UN, and then we'll give it. Right. To some, so redistribution. So, so we of become wealth. slaves of the UN. Oh, yes. Or you you have to come up with a new vaccine. You had asked me what was new. One thing that was fascinating from these doctors who were giving presentations, they were talking about the history of pandemics. Pandemics are rare in in history. And so what they were showing is all of the so-called pandemics that have been declared just in the last couple of years, it's completely out of the norm of what historic health care It's conditioning because their plan is we're going to have pandemic after pandemic after pandemic. So we can grab power, more power, more power, more power. And then force what their will is on the people. Okay, so we've got about four minutes left here, uh, Michelle Bachman. Let's talk about how is this stopped? 
Well, that's a good question. A pr- prayer, first of all, because this is a spiritual issue as far as I'm concerned. This is huge. It, this fits into Scripture. It fits into Scripture, and so we need to cry out to God, and, and, we need, and, and he hears us and, when and we And let cry. me just say this. It fits into, I'll just say this, if you look at Revelation where you move toward one world government, yes. it fits yes. into that. That does not mean... We step on the sidelines. Oh, this is going to happen. That's right. It doesn't have to happen now. That's right. It will eventually happen, but I'm not going to. Because we don't know God's timetable. And plus, it's not good. That's right. So we stand for righteousness. We have no idea, Tony, what it would be like. We've lived in the greatest military and economic superpower in the history of the world. Every day of our life, when we woke up, we had the luxury of living in the superpower of, of the earth. Now imagine if we are subservient to an international body and we lose freedom. It isn't just national sovereignty. This is what people need to understand. You lose individual sovereignty, personal autonomy. Government now gets control over your life and your family and my life and my family. These vaccine passports, electronic. I mean, you won't be able to move about unless you... That's right. And then you have the the digital passport as well for money. And so everything is linked and tied together. So we literally can't buy a stick of gum without government knowing what we've done and surveilling us. First, we pray. We, Mm -hmm. uh, I think the leverage point we have right now, because we only have one chamber of Congress, is the defunding, which it's not, that's not the whole tamale. it isn't. But it's a start. We've got Mm -hmm. to get the United States out of the World Health Organization, like Donald Trump did. did. Yeah, Donald Trump did, and we were in the process of pulling out, and he defunded. But the first day Joe Biden got back in office, he put the United States back in, he restored all funding. Elections have consequences. They have huge consequences. But again, you know, you've got that link. And I would encourage people to watch the seminar that we did today. It is highly informative. There's nothing inflammatory about it. It's tied to documents. So I, I, I encourage people to do that and then share that on your Facebook page and social media so more people will learn because right. you never know who's in your sphere of influence who actually can do this, something more this is one of those issues people have to be educated yes. about you need to speak to your elected representatives oh, yes. congressmen your two senators again you can uh, sign the petition that we will deliver to them text who to 67742 that's 67742 the word W-H-O, and then the link to today's event is at TonyPerkins.com under the episode resources. And Tony, Senator Ron Johnson said today, you know, the big problem is none of my colleagues have heard from any of their constituents on this issue. So if we can start a groundswell of contacting these senators and these House members, then they can't ignore it. Right now, they don't even know this is an issue. Need to make that happen, folks. Michelle Bachman, always great to see you. Thank you, Tony. Thanks so much for stopping in today. Sure. Always a pleasure. And, folks, thank you for joining us as well. Always great to have you along for Washington Watch. And uh, tune in again tomorrow. We're going to have a sit-down interview with the new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. Until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything that you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand. By all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 